ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Property and NFT Show with me, your host, Nigel T. Best. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Property and NFT Show with me, your host, Nigel T. Best. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Ethereum or ETH and the the importance of it, what it is, and a lot of it, listen, folks, a lot of it's going to be gobbledygook. So, you know, I went, I went in and I thought, right, I'm going to just jump in and just have a look and see what it all means and give you some definitions because, you know, this stuff behind me, I've got a picture here of um, some Ethereum coins, of course, there are no such thing, um, not the physical gold looking things like those behind anyway. But here we go. So this is from um, the AWS Amazon website. So the, the age old question, what is Ethereum? And if you can understand this, then congratulations, you're, you're way ahead of 99.999%. But I'm going to go through it and then I'm going to break it down into something that I have to get my my brain around. Okay, so Ethereum is a decentralized blockchain platform, still with us, yeah, that establishes a peer-to-peer -peer network that securely executes and verifies application code called smart contracts. Smart contracts allow participants to transact with each other without a trusted central authority. Okay. Transaction records are immutable, verifiable, and securely distributed across the network, giving participants full ownership and visibility into transaction data. Transactions are sent from and received by user-created Ethereum accounts. A sender must sign transactions and spend Ether, Ethereum's native cryptocurrency, as a cost of processing transactions on the network. All right. So what is Ethereum? Effectively, then what it's saying is it's something that is um, going to be verifiable on the blockchain and you can transact with other people in full safety, is what they're saying, without having to use something like a bank or a government institution or anything like that. Uh, you can do it peer-to-peer, -peer, so that means someone like you with someone else, you know, with you, uh, and, and you can do those sort of transactions. It's kind of hard to get around because we are so used to having to use something else like, um, like a bank or solicitors or um, other third parties that, that get in there to verify who owns what, because if you think about it, any transaction, what you're trying to do, so if you think of contract law, you've got an offer, uh, you've got acceptance, and you've got consideration. So the offer is someone says, oh, I want to do this transaction. The other person says, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And consideration is a legal term for just meaning something has changed hands of worth, generally money. So it could be as little as a dollar, a pound, but you know somebody makes an offer, somebody says, yeah, I'll do it, and then there's... Uh, this, you know, consideration that is exchanged. So there's a bit of money or something for it. Now, that's what we're kind of used to. And, and that's a contract and it's convoluted and you need solicitors and you need other people involved and you need. And why, why do you need to do that? Because you're trying to prove 
that the person saying, hey, I've got this thing for sale, making the offer, you've got to do some due diligence and, and make sure that that actually exists because you look at history and what do you see? You see people who sell houses that they never own um, and they've duped people into believing that they do. They've forged deeds, they've forged documents and they've made it look like they actually own it. When you accept and you make the consideration, in other words, you pay for that, that property that you think they own, you um, are sort of relying. If you tried to do it yourself, a lot of people would say that's crazy because you don't know, you can't do the checks, you need to use a solicitor because a solicitor has insurance, it has liability insurance, professional indemnity insurance, so if they get things wrong, you can then sue the solicitor. So if that that transaction never happened, you could go back to the solicitor and say, right, you've let me down here, uh, you're the expert, I want to claim on your insurance and get my money back. Similarly with banks, they will have for anything that uses, typically in the UK, uh, credit card transactions are protected in law. So if you are duped, but you make what you think is a genuine transaction and there was nothing there, then you can go to the bank and say, hey, someone's just pulled a fast one on me. I've lost my money. I'm coming back to you. And more often than not, you will get your money back. It's a fantastic safety net. But what's this? This is a decentralized blockchain platform. So this is effectively saying none of that is going to take place. So none of that reliance on other people's um, experience, skills, knowledge, insurance, whatever, none of that's going to take place. You're going to do this direct with the person offering it. So they're going to say, uh, you know, put something out there and say, right, okay, who who wants this? And um, typically, uh, when you talk about Ethereum and Ether and ETH, you're talking about NFTs. And when people are selling NFTs at the moment, Ethereum, as at the time of recording this, uh, kind of July 2022, it's still the most popular. And so the most popular cryptocurrency that is kind of, the, the tool that is used to make this transaction happen sort of thing. Um, and you look at this and you go, right, hang on, hang on a second. So I am getting rid of all those safety nets for any transaction, any contract, anything like that. I'm getting rid of them. So I'm getting rid of all those safety nets. This is making me feel nervous. This is making me think I don't want anything to do with Ethereum because this sounds dodgy. I'm skeptical. I'm not convinced. All right. Well, let's have, you know go into that that sort of definition again, because there's a couple of interesting things in here. The smart contract. Now, the smart contract is something. This is where Ethereum came about and where it stole a march on a lot of other things. So Bitcoin, you can't do this with it, but Ethereum allows you to effectively code up. A contract and in that contract it's a smart contract which means that when the transaction takes place the terms of the contract are automatically carried out and the thing about using cryptocurrency uh, in, in these sort of things and using the blockchain is that um, I think the the theory goes that you would have to control because it's, 
Okay, let's quickly recap and go back to that, you know, thing about cryptocurrencies and what goes on and how the fact that it's decentralized. It means that, you know, these transactions are processed on millions, potentially millions of different computers. Each one is kind of called a node. And what happens is they all compete to complete the transaction, which is where they use energy, which is where you generate gas fees and you do all these other things. But essentially, because it's decentralized, you're not going off to the bank and we're not going into that that sort of credit control room or whatever um, in the bank. And that one department is processing this. This could be processed anywhere uh, on one of these computers. And the theory is that in order for you to kind of twist, distort, uh, amend, um, act fraudulently with these types of transactions in the blockchain, the theory goes that you would have to be in control of more than half of those computers. Now that's millions, millions, potentially billions, who knows, computers. So the idea that you could actually sort of, uh, how would you say, um, twist this and uh, you know defraud somebody uh, on these transactions these crypto transactions so it's cryptography that's behind it it's 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 well i think people are saying it's impossible effectively or practically it is impossible maybe theoretically you can and i'm sure someone at some point will but in practical terms it's kind of impossible to do this so what it means there is any transaction records are what they call immutable, so it can't be changed, verifiable, you can check it, and securely distributed across the network. So that's by that, it means they don't all go to one place, because if they did all go to one place, then obviously you could take control of that and manipulate these transactions. You can't do that. So. For anyone thinking, well, hang on, if if I go to this peer-to-peer -peer network where there's no solicitors, accountants, banks, or whatever to give me a safety net if things go wrong, I was worried about it. Now I'm a little bit more relaxed. I'm, uh, you know, it's a bit more satisfied that if this blockchain does what it says it does and you can't change or amend things, then this throws out some really interesting ideas because what it's saying then is you could because you can verify things if somebody says yeah i've got this let's say nft i've got this nft i want to sell it you can actually go in and have a look to see if they do actually have it and it's kind of one of these things could you do that on a bank could you do you know if somebody phones you up and says oh you need to pay this amount are you able to go in and check who this person is and check that they have this thing or do this thing? And I've seen loads of people at the moment getting fleeced for holidays. They're doing it through Facebook or social media. And someone says, oh, yeah, I've got this this cottage or I've got this house or I've got this caravan or I've got this, you know, space at this place. And um, all you need to do is send me some money and then the holiday is yours. And of course, you can't check that. You can't verify it. You, you're not too sure. So people are taking a bit of a gamble and they're, they're sending these people money. And of course, then they get blocked. They get, you know, no further with it. And they realize they've been scammed. So on this, imagine if those adverts came in for a holiday. Yeah, I've got this holiday cottage. And you could actually go in and verify that they have got that holiday cottage. 
how much more uh, sort of satisfied or comfortable would you feel about continuing with the transaction if you definitely knew the person had it? Exactly, you would be. So that is a really interesting thing because then you can say, right, okay, this person has got it. It's on the blockchain. I can see they own it. I can see what it is. And then with some uh, technical side of things, you can connect a wallet. They can connect their wallet and you can kind of begin to do this transaction without needing anyone else because your wallet says you've got some Ethereum in it. So obviously, you know, we've, we've spoken about wallets, we'll continue to speak about wallets and what have you. And you purchase some Ethereum in order to conduct this transaction for this NFT. It's verified they've got it. You want it. You connect your wallets. The wallets do this uh, cryptography uh, sort of, what would you call it? Magic. <laughs> um, and... And they sort of say, yeah, this one owns it. This one's got the money. We'll do the transaction. It'll appear on the blockchain and the ownership will transfer from that person to that person as the Ethereum goes from that person's wallet to that person's wallet. And you kind of, you know, it sounds really complicated, but what are we doing? We're doing exactly what we do anyway, which is if you were buying something from someone, so even going into a shop, the shop has it on the shelf. They're effectively saying, we've got this. You pick it up, you take it to the till, you hand over the money and you walk out with the, the item that you took off the shelf. And, you know, it, it's one of these things that we haven't really changed it. All we've done is we've digitized it and we've done it for products that you can't kind of pick up off a shelf. So you can't pick up an NFT necessarily. Uh, they're often digital art or digital music or, or something like that. So when you can't pick it up, a lot of people go, if I can't pick it up, touch it, you know, lick it, poke it, whatever. If I can't do that, I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous because I don't know it exists. I don't know where the hell it goes and all the rest of it. But if, if you liken this to, okay, well, the blockchain is there to kind of prove that it A, exists, B, that person owns it, and C, if you give this amount of Ethereum to them using your, um, your wallets, your crypto wallets, then that ownership will be transferred to you. And you sort of look at it and you think, actually, actually, that is probably far more secure and more, you know, more certain than if you were doing it in numerous other ways. Uh, even using solicitors, things go wrong. Things don't happen. Contracts fall apart and all the rest of it. Um, just think uh, Elon Musk tried to buy Twitter. He said, how many fake accounts have you got? He didn't get the answer he wanted. And he's trying to pull out the deal. Now the contract has penalty clauses in there, but imagine if he was trying to buy Twitter and on Twitter, it was on the blockchain who every single account was, and you could verify it was a genuine person. And at that point, he could then see how, you know, exactly how many users on Twitter there are on Twitter. He could work out, do his calculations. He could say, yeah, there you go. He puts, buys the cryptocurrency, boom. They own Twitter, boom, it's verified, and they do the transaction. He now owns Twitter. They've now got the cryptocurrency, and you know, the deal is done. 
it's a level of transparency here which is kind of it's freaky it it's a bit kind of unnerving because we are so used to there being even on these contracts and everything you know using solicitors and all the rest of it and getting your credit card out on oh crikey you know you are nervous does it really exist am i really going to get the goods i mean how many people have gone online bought something they thought and it never gets delivered and when you try and say hey where's my stuff nobody's there and you've been you know ripped off scammed defrauded so we're in a world where we're already being scammed ripped off and all the rest of it and we're looking at a world here where potentially potentially when we look at this you realize well i don't in, in theory and as far as i'm aware in all practical senses of it you can't be ripped off because you can't do the transaction if you know it's there on the blockchain however this is where um you know people step in and then they fake things and then they scam you and they try and do it so the actual blockchain transaction you can't mess about with but what people are trying to do is they're trying to jump in front of that and get all your details for your wallet and all your you know your special codes that you have to sign in when you create your wallet and these great long chains of words that you have to have to log in and what have you they're trying to get that off you not because they're going to do something clever on the actual transaction but they just want to get access to your wallet get in take all the ether um out of your wallet or whatever's in your wallet take it out empty your wallet and, and you're stuffed because there is then at that point there's no backup there's no insurance there's no backup there's no bank you can go to there's nobody you can complain to you've just lost everything so a couple of things with the wallet are never give away your details and never certainly never give that login passcode of 12 or 15 or 20 words whatever it might be that you get issued when you start your wallet never give that away um but there's there's no fallback there's no bank there's no person at the end of a phone that you can phone up to on things like that so you see these people that have got a wallet with a lot of cryptocurrency in it they lose that 12 word code nobody can give you a new one no one can give you access to it so it is important to do but we were talking about ethereum and we've kind of gone off the tracks so one of the things that is uh here also in this description is benefits of building on ethereum so you're probably thinking building building what well let's have a look let's see what they're talking about ethereum offers an extremely flexible platform on which to build decentralized applications using the native solidity scripting language and ethereum virtual machine still with us folks all right decentralized application developers who deploy smart contracts on ethereum benefit from the rich ecosystem of developer tooling and established best practices that have come with the maturity of the protocol mm -hmm. this maturity also extends into the quality of user experience for the average user of ethereum applications okay with wallets like metamask argent 
Rainbow and more offering simple interfaces through which to interact with the Ethereum blockchain and smart contracts deployed there. Okay, Ethereum's large user base encourages developers to deploy their applications on the network, which further reinforces Ethereum as the primary home for decentralized applications like De uh, DeFi, which um, decentralized finance, yeah, and NFTs, non-fungible tokens. In the future, the backwards compatible Ethereum 2.0 protocol, currently under development, will provide a more scalable network on which to build decentralized applications that require higher transaction throughput. All right. A lot of that has gone over my head and actually probably went in one ear and out the other because am I really bothered about some of these things? Not really, because I'm not going to be someone who's going to be building these applications and doing it. I just want to know how, how I can use Ethereum for what I want to use it for. And one of the things that I think uh, was mentioned in the what is Ethereum is the fact that you can have these smart contracts. And what it's, um, what Ethereum's effectively saying is, all right, look, we can connect to these apps. So these apps like MetaMask uh, for your wallet, that sort of thing, Coinbase, all those uh, sort of things is they're saying that, look, we can connect all this up and do all these transactions. Duh, 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 duh. You're not giving away your login code to your wallet. Your wallet has an individual kind of itemized thing and your wallet talks to, um, uh, you know, these other apps sort of thing. Solidity is um, a coding language, uh, scripting language. Um, you don't need to write anything in that, but it's interesting to understand what goes on. But is the smart contract bit that's the real gem, I think, in, in this, in, from my sort of take on it, my slant, my opinion. And that's because uh, you could create something in here in using Ethereum and a, a smart contract, and especially for NFTs, this is where you've heard of OpenSea and the secondary market. OpenSea is one of the biggest that you'll find out there for it. So it's it's a bit like the stock exchange. So the minting of the NFT is like a share, uh, like a company doing an initial public offering whereby they offer shares out to people. And the first person, people that buy those shares, they, they get it, they hold it. And, um, and then when they want to sell them, they sell them on and they sell them through the stock exchange. Someone else buys them. So you have this secondary market. Now, imagine if the company that issued those initial shares when they went public, so they went to these market, you know, and they offered their shares in their business for sale and people bought them. Imagine if they'd had a smart contract in there. And I'll tell you why this is, you know, mind blowing to some extent. So a company, when it goes to the stock market and it sells its shares in its company, raises money, raises capital. And let's say the initial public offering is they offer a million of their shares at five, at $5 each. So they sell them all, they get $5 million. All right, the share price goes up maybe to $6, down to $4, up to $8, down to $3, up to $7, etc. It fluctuates. All right, is the company, you know, going to benefit 
as such from when those shares are traded. So the first people that buy those million shares, when they sell them on, how much extra money? So let's say the shares go up to $7, started at five, gone up to seven. When they get sold, how much more money does the company get? And the answer is nothing. Any profit made on those shares is solely retained by the shareholder. Now, with Ethereum and smart contracts, here's the thing. Imagine that initial public offering of the company selling those million shares. Imagine if they had a smart contract that said, look, we're going to sell you it for $5. But if you sell it on the stock exchange, the secondary market, which is what OpenSea is the same as, if we put in this little smart contract that says when you sell that, you sell the share. Um, so the the blockchain, so the transaction is you connect your wallets up, you own this particular share. Um, someone else says, yes, I want to buy it. What's the price? And, and you say, well, it's now $7. And you go, right, that's, that's fine. I'll pay you $7. If that contract says, okay, when that transaction happens, of the $7, the person that owns the share gets 90% of that, so $6.30. The person who initially created it, so the company that created it and sold these shares in the first place, you could put a smart contract in and say, we take 10% of any resale. So the person connects the wallets, the $7 goes digitally, Okay, 6.30 goes into the account of the person that held the share and 70 cents, 10% goes to the company, to their crypto wallet. Now, you think how often are those shares traded? How often are those shares traded on stock exchange? The volumes are huge. And when there's a flurry of activity, so Tesla shares, Apple shares, Google shares, Facebook shares, any of those massive companies, they have been churned and, and done all the time. Imagine if every time that was sold, 10% of the sale proceeds automatically go to the company. That would be an enormous money generator. Huge money generator for those businesses. Because when they go to the market, they get a lump sum for those first million shares that they sell on $5 each to get 5 million. They don't get anything else from any of the subsequent transactions on that secondary market, the stock exchange or OpenSea. They don't get anything. Ethereum allows you to code in into a smart contract and you could do it on all manner of things. You could say, right, okay, 90% goes to the person that owned it. So any sale proceeds, 90% goes immediately to them. 5% comes straight to us who created it in the first place. Um, 3% goes to this charity, 1% to that charity, and 1% to that charity. Everyone connects their wallets, boom, the transaction goes through. It's sold for $10 now, let's say. So the person gets $9. Uh, that's what they get into their wallet. We get uh, 50 cents. 30 cents goes to that charity, 10 cents to that, and 10 cents to that. Oh my goodness me. And that's every time it happens, every time it gets bought and sold. Could you imagine the amount that companies could have raised through the secondary market? Yes. If your head's kind of going spinning and, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is it, folks. This is it. And it is. 
in the smart contract is 10% of whatever you sell it for. So obviously the price could drop, the price could go up. So you could sell your shares. So some company shares, uh, let's think about it. Tesla initially sold their shares for a very low amount and they've peaked and they've gone up maybe tenfold. Who knows? I know there's a lot of Tesla millionaires out there who bought shares early doors, great fans of the company and, and what have you. So Tesla raised some, raised some funds, but the share price rocketed. Now imagine is every time they transact, 10% of that new, even higher price still comes back to Tesla. You would be creating a money-making machine, potentially, whereby the secondary market 10% you know, chunk to you, every time they're bought and sold, probably raises far more than the entire first issue of all the shares. This is it, folks. So when you're on Ethereum, when you're talking about an NFT project, when you're thinking, should I do an NFT project? Is Ethereum this? I'm not too sure. Listen, the nuts and bolts of this are that there's a smart contract in there that you can put in. So you can create an NFT project. You put some great value behind it. You sell it at 0.1 ETH, let's say. Demand, you know, there aren't many out there. Demand grows. It goes to 0 0.2, 0 0.4, 0 0.5. It goes to 1 ETH. And you've got a smart contract that says 10% of any resale through OpenSea comes to you. If you can create the value behind it, the demand increases, the supply is fairly restricted because you only did an, uh, an initial mint of, say, a thousand. You look at that and if it goes up to one ETH, you get 10%. Well, hold on. That means when somebody trades it on OpenSea, I'm getting just as much as I did when I did the original minting. Exactly. Exactly. I, I know I'm laboring it, folks. I know I'm laboring it, but... It, it's just one of these things that whoever, I can't remember who it is that, that did it, um, but it it's kind of that smart contract bit. Man, that is so powerful. So, so powerful. So you need to think to yourself, okay, um, if I'm thinking about NFTs, NFT projects uh, and, and stuff like that, um, this, is, this is where you need to get your head around this and think to yourself, okay, don't necessarily think I've got to make all the money on the initial minting. I've got to sell out. I've got to do this. Now, get it in, get people in, um, have a look at, you know, get them in, see what they're trading, get the buzz around it, the marketing and everything else. And people go, oh my goodness me, I want that. I want that. So an example is, I think Gary V announced uh, a while ago, earlier in the year, when uh, ETH was at a higher value than it is now, uh, but I think he was getting something like, I think he announced that he was getting a million dollars a day equivalent from the secondary market, from his smart contract element of people trading VFriends. So never mind what he raised initially, that secondary market and the ability to retain a percentage of any subsequent trade of your NFT generates a percentage to you that was equating to the equivalent of a million dollars a day. And on that note, folks, 
Um, you need to, if you want to find out more, um, what I'm doing here, I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying to, look, I'm saying it out loud so I can get my head around it. Uh, my name's Nigel T. Best. I've got one coming up soon that we're going to be calling Bricks NFT. I'm linking it with property and value and a training um, so that we can create a real value behind an NFT. And I want to get people in who want to learn more, who are excited about the benefits of getting some great value, excited about learning about property, excited about learning about NFTs and how you can do it and excited about the whole digital world and, you know, how do you go about it? How do you market yourself? How do you do that? And that's the project in a nutshell as to uh, what we're going to be developing. So if you want to know more, have a look in the show notes or just go to bricksnft.com. That's B-R-I-X-N-F-T.com. And obviously we'd love it if you come back, if you share this uh, this podcast, get it out there, share it with your friends. If you're sort of thinking, oh, I think I need to know more about this, then we would love to help you do that. And in the meantime, I will see you again very soon, folks. All right. Cheers. Take care.